Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have Shauna Blessinger. I say that right? Correct. <laughs> Shauna is a good friend of Alexis Galbasek. I almost said the other way. <laughs> I said her name <laughs> the other way. Um, but no, so Shauna is, I would say, a world traveler. I mean, she doesn't have her own TV show, isn't <laughs> insta-blogging or anything like that. But um, we share a love for traveling and just like how my eyes have been open and perspective has changed through traveling. She has too. We've kind of talked about that off before we started recording and I wanted to head of her on to do that. So Shauna, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Happy of to course. be here. Let's do it. Um, for people that don't know you, because I mean, we've maybe talked for maybe a minute max, like ever prior to doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, who are you and what are you really like all about? Yeah, so um, my name is Shauna. I live in Lakewood, Ohio at the moment, um, right outside of Cleveland, for any of you New York people that listen to John's podcast. Um, I graduated from Kent with my bachelor's degree in 2019, and as John has touched on, and I'm hoping that's what we'll kind of focus on talking about here for the next hour or whatever, um, I've done a lot of traveling in the last couple of years, um, primarily in 2018, 2019, right before the pandemic hit. Thank God. I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's pretty much my gig. You know, I live in Lakewood. I live a nice little, what I like to think is simple now, um, very generic corporate America, living my life, hanging out, doing what normal people do now. So you've... You tried to hit 25 for 25, but you really did 24 for 24, Correct. which that's your way of before I turned 24, I wanted to hit 24 countries traveled. Correct. Um, originally, it was supposed to be 25 years, 25 countries, but obviously Correct. the pandemic hit, decided that. But what was your, um, where was the first time you traveled and what was the first country, if it's not the first time you traveled, where it, the experience was just like, it didn't seem real in a, in a way. And you were just like, I just want to keep doing this. I don't care how much it costs. I just want to keep traveling. Wow. Okay. Um, I would say, I mean, that we're going to backtrack probably all over the place. Um, Asia, I did Asia. I backpacked Asia for three months um, at the end of 2019 after I had graduated from Kent State um, right before the pandemic hit. Um, Asia in itself was the most, cult- most culture- cultural shock I've ever experienced in my entire life. Um, the very first independent traveling I did outside of my, um, you know, pretty basic family vacations that I was fortunate enough to take as, um, you know, growing up. Um, I would say, honestly, I don't pick out of the litter. It really doesn't matter. Anywhere in Asia is absolutely just the most mind blowing thing in the entire world. Um, Europe in itself is my, probably my favorite trip. Um, They're both different for both, for different reasons. Um, I appreciate them both independently as continents and, you know, places that hold special places in my heart for the different time periods that I went to them in. Um, But I would have to say anywhere in Asia, it doesn't really matter. Just pick a spot on the map, put a finger down and that they're all pretty mind blowing. Where, uh, pick a couple places. What are some, well, actually, where was the first place you went? When I was in Asia? Yeah. Um, I flew into Wuhan, China, which, you know, coincidentally <laughs> was, you know, we don't have to oh, go there. So, yeah, so you're the super spreader. I'm pretty much the super <laughs> spreader. It was following me all around the world. What uh, what was Asia like? 
mind-blowing. It is just the most mind-blowing place, obviously, on the globe, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'll make my track, and I'll get to everywhere else with dual timing, but um, it is just the most overpopulated place I've ever been. Um, pictures really don't do it justice. I don't think you can pinpoint any specific area um, or group of people that will blow your mind more. I mean, I've struggled to even find the words to explain it because if you don't experience it firsthand, it's it, it's almost unfathomable the way that people live over there. Um, it was a very eye-opening experience for me and I loved it. I loved it more than anything in the world. It was probably one of the most crucial growth periods I've ever had um, in my entire life. Um, but it was definitely a huge culture shock. I spent my 23rd birthday in China by myself. Um, I had only been there for a week. I had very limited cell service. Um, Google does not exist in China. There's a very heavy restricted VPN there um, that you need to kind of get into because the government just completely micromanages every single person over there. Um, it was mind blowing. So for a good part um, of the first couple of weeks of my trip, I was um, in a huge culture shock, um, to say the least, to be honest. How are you? Could you use your phone at all? So, like, I've always wondered when you're American and you go over there, mm-hmm. you're kind of like I obviously people know it, but they don't really like think about it mm-hmm. until they get there that just because you're American, you aren't American. And when you go to a new country and I don't mean by like you lose your ethnicity or anything like that, but it's just like they don't give a fuck where you're from. Like you're there and you're you're in their country now. So you adhere to their rules or Correct. you suffer the consequences. So what were you allowed? What were you allowed to do and what were you not allowed to do based on like the Chinese government? And then obviously like the censorship and mm-hmm. uh, then them not having Internet service or not that they don't have Internet service, but it's monitored. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Um. So it's really funny, actually. Um, I just want to tell you guys a story. It was, uh, and hopefully my mom at some point will listen to this and giggle. Well, now we can <laughs> laugh about it, but it was single-handedly, if you ask my mom, it's probably the scariest day of her life. Um, I was on my flight out of China, and I was, I was, to be honest, I've been scared for my life very, very few times, and I was sweating in this airport. Um, your phones, like I said, are just so monitored there. And I had a VPN and I was still able to use Instagram and, you know, my email, my phone, my iMessage, um, everything of that nature through this VPN. When I got to the airport um, in Beijing at this point to fly out, I was going to Japan. Um, I was on the phone with my dad. Um, and my dad is just a uh, very unfiltered human being. So when he's on the phone with me asking me this, that, that, and the other, not really putting two and two together, or maybe just being ignorant to the fact that I am in a communist country, um, my phone just stopped working. So, and again, I mean, nothing's, you know, factual. I can't really say this or that or the other, but at that time period, my phone stopped working entirely when I was on the phone with my dad. Um, And I'm not sure if, you know, everybody's got their conspiracy theories about our government listening into everything as well, but, um, where they do I mean we'll just draw the line there they definitely yeah do. yeah but uh I eventually got my my phone just shut off there was a bunch of glitching going on on my end my dad couldn't hear me anymore um my phone turned off and at this point keep in mind I'm on the other side of the world it's probably uh-huh. four o'clock in the morning in Cleveland Ohio when I'm getting on this plane my mom didn't sleep for three months it's it just god bless her um 
so then at that point, I'm just internally, you know, my anxiety is through the roof and I'm texting my dad and my mom. And I'm just, hey, I'm about to get on my plane. I love you. Bye. Um, kind of weird about my phone. I'm turning it off. I love mm-hmm. you. Bye. And then for the next, you know, six or so hours that I was on this plane to Japan and ever, I was fine. Everything was fine. Um, obviously, here I am. Um, my, fo- my mother <laughs> was on the phone with the Chinese, the U.S. embassy in China saying, you know, my daughter's in Beijing and I can't get a hold of her and her phone stopped working. What the hell's going on? This and that and the other. Absolutely freaking out. But um, small instances like that, I mean, I think speak volumes to the control that um, happens in other countries. And, you know, I think we're micromanaged here in the United States. Um, on a certain level of ignorance that we're unaware of, but um, it happens everywhere. And uh, in a lot of ways we can bash the United States, but when you compare it to things of that nature, I think we're very fortunate. No, I could put, I mean, we won't get, we won't talk politics or get into politics here, but Please. I mean, just, <laughs> I'm, yeah, no, I, I, I never do, but like on a surface level, it's, that's one of the things that it kind of boggles my mind where it's just like of course like it's i think it's a beautiful thing that we can openly bash our government because it's democracy and we have all that Mm -hmm. but certain things i'm like yeah i'll go to another country like you don't have you don't have the even in your in even in some parts of europe that are westernized and civilized like you don't have the freedom of speech like you have to watch what you say you have to watch what you do and for the most part it's you're you're a foreigner in their homeland so if mm-hmm. they want to be like hey this person we don't like this, what you're talking about yeah <laughs> or point the, yeah or point the finger at you it's really uh someone that's born and raised there versus a foreigner's word and like all those things get thrown out the window and shit can get serious really fucking quick absolutely yeah i mean it's you can't throwing gum on the ground i mean should be illegal all over the place because i mm-hmm. mean that's just human ignorance but in china specifically spitting out your gum on the ground is is you will get arrested for it yeah and you get arrested in china good luck <laughs> yeah you're not and then i mean of course i was you know i think it was a few years previous where i don't know where this kid was from and that's probably really bad but he was somewhere from the united states he was re- right out of college and all these news articles were surfacing um about him essentially being arrested in China because of something very similar, something, you know, I think he was ripping a poster off of a wall or something. Arrested. North Korea. Was it in North Korea? I think it was because that's the it kid that, been. yeah, the kid that came and back they, in And he coma. came home. Yeah, yeah he, he was came in back coma. in a coma. And that is just, I mean, obviously that's terrifying for a multitude of reasons that, you know, mm-hmm. just, I don't even want to go there mentally. That's just terrifying. Yeah. Was um so like okay, let's bring it back to like China for example. So when you got off the flight and you landed in China, like did they have people that were just like you can't use your phone or like how does that work? Cuz I kind of feel as though it's like one of those things where it's like I can just say I don't have a phone, but they would be like no, give like turn your internet off type of thing. No, it is entirely controlled by their satellites and I mean just like, you know, we have Oh, okay. 4G, 5G, blah, blah, whatever. They just don't have that. And it's just extremely limited access. So at that point, um, you know, I had no idea. And I'll be totally honest, you know, I did the very bare, I do the very bare minimal for planning on any trips I take, whether mm-hmm. that be, you know, Columbus, Ohio, or freaking Beijing, China, I'm just really ignorant in that matter. Um, so I was kind of very unaware of that. So when I checked into my hostel, um, at that point, I was like, hey, like, 
any of your guys' phones working? And everyone's like, oh, you have to do this, this, and the other. And I'm like, oh, thank God, because my mom hasn't spoken to me in about 24 hours at this point. She's going to lose her mind. Yeah. Um, so then you kind of, you just talk to people there and kind of find your way around it. I mean, as do, I'm sure, a lot of people that actually live there. And, you know, people that are from China, live in China, born and raised in China. Um, they find their ways around it, just like we do here, too. You know, it's just, you know, not exactly... Um, encouraged or promoted um it's mm. kind of a low-key thing but uh yeah it's just google does not exist how were you per, um accepted by like the people you met and stuff were they kind of like were they any of them like you're american what's it like in america um so i'm not gonna say believe it or not because you wouldn't believe or you would believe this um english is not that primary over there so um, anyone in my hostels was typically either from a lot of Asia or a lot of Asia. People go to Asia to vacation, essentially from like Australia and New Zealand. And this is pre-COVID. So it's popping over there. Um, mm-hmm. So most of the people I hung out with were a lot of people that were traveling, you know, doing the same route as I was or from Europe where traveling is extremely encouraged at a young age or post-college or pre-college, things of that nature. Um, so a lot of the people that I had like like communicated with and day to date basis did speak English, but people from, or when I was on the outskirts of some of these towns and countries, um, very limited, to be honest, I stayed in a hostel in Vietnam where I was doing a homestay and they spoke absolutely no English. So a lot of the times I was just literally communicating to this entire Vietnamese family through, you know, Google translate app that's on my phone. Um, it's not that easy. I mean, sometimes, you know, a 20 minute track this way would take me about an hour and a half. And, you know, I had all the time in the world at that point, so it didn't really matter. But, um, yeah, not that easy. <laughs> Did you Go ahead. No, continue with what you're saying? Um, just kind of wrapping up on that point. I think it, um, I went to Asia alone and I think that was a very bold decision on my part, a very ignorant decision on my part, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Um, and I think the reason I like talking about it so much is obviously to encourage anybody who wants to travel, um, thinks about it, do it, you'll figure it out, screw the language barrier, Google Translate apps are a thing. Did, uh, did you keep a journal at all? Or like, did you document anything of like what it was like? Because obviously, like, we'll get into it when we talk about Europe, but I don't think Europe is anything like the US. So I can only imagine what Asia is like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a big journal in my day-to-day life um, to begin with. Um, so I definitely do have some, but I'll be honest, I haven't looked at them since I've written anything down. And that's kind of on purpose. It's something mm-hmm. I'm like super looking forward to, you know, when I'm cleaning out, you know, a closet one day and you get trapped in those, you know, memory nostalgic weekends where you're just reading and looking at photos and things of that nature and um I mean I take pictures like crazy to begin with now mm-hmm. so I think I'm mainly tracked a lot of it like that and then um you know obviously I was on the phone with my mom or a couple of my close friends that are super nocturnal and that I would talk with every day about everything I was experiencing and um I think I kept a journal like sometimes it wasn't an everyday thing you know I tried my best um something I'm really looking forward to finding someday but store it all up in my noggin (laughs) what's the coolest like excursion or like experience per se that you got to take part in in Asia um wow I would definitely not call this an excursion by any means. And it's definitely also probably the second scariest weekend of my mother's life. 
But um, when I was in Vietnam, that was, I want to say, maybe like the fifth country I hopped to at that point. Um, I stayed on a houseboat. It was a fishing houseboat in Ha Long Bay. It's in northern Vietnam. It's notoriously known. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please look it up. It's absolutely, it's just, it is gorgeous. Um, so I took a ferry out to this houseboat that, ironically enough, I found on Airbnb. Airbnb exists in Asia. Um, and it was this family of three. Lily was um, about our age. She's in her 20s. Um, and her, her mom and her dad. And all year round, all they focus on, their economy, their livelihood, um, is tuna. So in their houseboat, on their fishing boat, they catch one tuna a year. They keep it in this very gross, sorry, Asia, um, net, netting outside of their home. And they watch it grow all year long. And once the tuna is too you know, X amount of weight, pounds, length, what have you. They sell it out in the markets and they restart the process all over again. And I spent um, two days on this houseboat and I had a generator, a, um, a mattress, if you will, um, two dogs, the three of them, no English at all, a kayak and absolutely no cell phone service. This, I'm actually, I just Googled what this houseboat looks like. This thing looks fucking crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it looks like something uh, someone put together or built, like, last minute. I don't even know how to explain, like, what I'm looking at. Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) So, I'm glad you're looking at it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. And you were just okay. Yeah, you were just okay. So, how did you shower? Did you have to jump in the river? Just didn't for two days and maybe that's TMI but a lot of the time being in Asia I mean I was by myself so I'm like I don't care I mean I can be the biggest bum in the entire world if you know if I need to be and at the time I needed to be um so just didn't to be totally no, honest that's um that's uh that's not that crazy because I had a buddy on that lived on a fishing boat in Alaska and he said that they didn't really shower for like weeks on end yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's it's fitting for what that is. But um, so after Asia, where did you go next? I bopped around Asia for um, three months after I had left Key West uh, that summer, um, came home to Cleveland for the holidays at the end of 2019, spent New Year's 20 going into 2020 um, in Cleveland with my friends and family, obviously. And then two months later, the pandemic hit. So I've been here. And no, I meant like uh, after Asia, where was the like next trip? Like you did Europe or was Europe before Asia? Europe was before Asia. I went to um, Europe in 2018 after my um, summer of my junior year. Where did you go in Asia? I mean, not Asia. I can't even fucking speak. Where did you go? <laughs> where did you go in Europe? What Europe. Um, I was in the UK. I flew into the UK. um I bought a one way into the UK and I want to say, I don't know, at the end of July or like a first few days into August, um, I had met someone while I was in Key West. Her name is Chloe and she was originally from the UK, um, but she bopped between Key West and the UK. Um, she was dating a military boy in um, Key West. I met her for a few days. It was probably my second week down in Key West for the first time. Met her. We clicked. We became good friends. She moved home to the UK. So then once my summer was kind of coming to an end, I was like, you know what? I don't really want to go home. Chloe, like, do you want to do a road trip? 
So I called her. She said, yeah, come. I booked a flight into London, um, spent time there. Obviously, she showed me around. And then her and I in our, you know, two-door little Fiat <laughs> went from the UK to France, um, Italy, Switzerland. Um, and then I went over to Ireland. And I think that's everywhere. And then I went home. Damn. Did you have a chance to go to Spain at all? No, I didn't. Uh, what yeah. what was uh, your experience like in the UK? Um, I think the UK is the closest thing you're going to get to America. I mean, outside of Canada, obviously. Um, super expensive. I love London so much. Um, a good friend of mine is actually moving there in August. But I love it a lot. I definitely would go back. Um, it's definitely not on my double hitter list before I mark off a lot of other places in the world. But um, I loved it. I love it a lot. She showed me around everywhere, obviously, and I got a good gist of it. Um, Switzerland is my probably one of my favorite countries in the entire world, even after all of Asia and everywhere else I've been previously. Um, is absolutely gorgeous. France is France. It's everything you'd possibly imagine it to be. Paris, as basic it is, as it is for me to say, is one of my favorite cities I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, and then Italy, again, is quite literally everything you can imagine and more. Instagram doesn't do it justice. National Geographic doesn't do it justice. Um, you know, at the age of 21, it was a really awakening experience for me. I loved it. I mean, that's where kind of you and I have spoken about this, kind of where I developed this love for food and not in the typical way that a lot of people do. Um, I think since doing all the traveling I've done the last two years and experiencing all these different cultures has allowed me to kind of expand what I see as food versus what us in America are, you know, given as food and supplemented for. Um, learned a lot there went to um ireland which was crazy just the greenest place i've ever been you can't even think it up um i love my entire experience to be honest and i mean now that you know i'm at home i've it's been almost more than a year at this point this coming what august will be two three years since europe and <clears throat> excuse me this um september will be two years since i've been to asia um if I could go anywhere right now, I'd probably go back to Europe, to be honest. I mean, it's the most, um, it's a quick way over there. It's relatively kind of cheap. I mean, before I wanted to go to, um, you know, South America or anywhere of that uh, nature. I love Europe. I love it a lot, to be honest. I think if you're a first-time traveler, or if you're doing any solo traveling for the first time, I think it's a really good starting point. No, for sure. The first big place I went to was Spain. But like when I was over there, it was we hit every, every major like city town, we were there for like two, two and a half weeks. Um, but one of the things that was kind of eye opening to me was more so just like how in Europe, I, I don't know about Paris and London, I've never been there. But I heard they're like, bougie kind of new york chicago type places but europe's version of that agree if that makes sense 100 um and so where the thing that was eye-opening to me was that they live in at least in spain and germany and, and places like that like they live so differently they eat so differently 
their ways of transportation. Like they have um, like their biggest meal of the day is always like lunch and then they get like a break to take a nap and just like uh, how they live their life was just very eye opening to me, which want made me want to continue traveling. And then also from playing college sports, you get put on to like how you should be eating supplements you should be taking and stuff like that. So like looking back on it, um, if you want to like talk about it a little bit is like more so of like when I think about it and try to put it in like one big picture as a whole, it's more so of just like, I don't want to say like, again, conspiracy. I don't want to say that people don't know how to eat or we're fed stuff that's going to make us sick so that pharmaceutical companies and all these places can still make money. But more so of just like, it was eye opening in a sense that like you can not that you can eat your way out of a sickness, but like depending on how you eat and how things you do with your body, like yoga, meditation, or just being sitting by water, being in nature, just little things that they do in different countries that um, that I thought was just so crazy here because we don't do those things here. Yeah, they're not sense. spoken on. They're not spoken on. And that's what's, you know, unfortunate. And I think um, people of platforms here in the United States. Um, I think those are primarily a lot of the accounts that I try and, you know, influence into my social media life. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's information that we're not fed enough. And I can entirely agree with that. I think that a lot of those countries um, definitely put a bigger push on, I mean, you can argue that all of those things could pull into the um, just the aspect of mental health that I think that we verbally push here a lot, but I don't think we try and implement it enough. I think the simple mm-hmm. fact of, again, when you're in Europe, I mean, you're so encouraged to go and travel and discover your sense of self and find an independence and see the world before you buckle down or settle anywhere, because I don't think one place is better than the other. I think it's kind of just a personal preference. And I think that's a huge aspect of mental health that isn't preached here. I think the work-life balance in Europe, um, makes me mad to be honest um for good reasoning and bad reasoning i think you know you talk to anybody in europe or even australia and they've oh i'm on a a six week uh holiday and you're like six weeks how'd you get off that much time from work and here in the united states it's like hey i'm gonna text my boss because i'm going on a weekend trip in september for two days like i think that's absurd um, and a huge aspect, again, of mental health that we don't really cover enough here. And people preach mental health, mental health here in the United States. But then I don't think as a generation, I hope that this is something we can improve. But I don't think parenting um, throughout the generations has pushed that enough of, you know, develop your own sense of self and your own independence the way that they do in other cultures. And I don't think that some of these bigger companies in the United States push that work-life balance enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a huge realization that I had when I was in Europe. Yeah, I didn't have that right away. But um, I would say collectively, just from all the things that I've done, travel places I've traveled and, and stuff like that, and meeting different people, different backgrounds and cultures and a, a slew of different things it was more so of like, I believe that America is nothing more than and I'm being ignorant when I say this, I'm not saying mm-hmm. it in depth. But America essentially is just like a big money making machine. So it's more so of like, we, cause I've always wondered, like when I first started doing real estate, a lot of people, um, even friends, parents were like, well, you, you should get a real job. And, um, I'm like, well, what's a real job just because I work commission only, or I don't have someone telling me what to do. It's not a nine to five. Like I didn't think about those things or 
hey, I've, I've, you know, because I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had a girlfriend. I think I've been single since probably what, like freshman year of college, maybe like mm-hmm. senior year of high school. And I have a lot of buddies that are like, oh, when are you going to get a girl? When are you going to get a girl? So like, not just those things I hear, but like when you really like look at other cultures and experience other cultures, and then you try to compare it to back home, there really is like no right or wrong way to live your life or do mm-hmm. things. And it's like, it feels like in America, it's almost in a way where like, from every angle, whether that's, you know, friends, your inner circle, or just like teachers, or just anyone really, it's trying to make sure that you're kind of staying on path of that, like American way where it's like, okay, by a certain age, you have kids by a certain way, you have this. And then when you don't want to do those things, you get questioned into like, well, well, don't, don't, don't you want to have kids one day? Don't you want to date? And it's like, okay, yeah, but just because I'm not doing it the way that you always did it or the traditional way of how you should do it it's not necessarily wrong like I know um I have a lot of friends that travel and they say that it's the time of their life and then I have other friends that don't travel and they're like oh I'll do it when I'm older I got I got to work I got to save for retirement I got to do all this shit and it's like yeah but it's like that picture of uh these two old people when they're in Venice and it was like never wait to travel and they're on like the little boat thing and they're passed out sleeping (laughs) because they're so old oh that's funny no I mean I entirely agree with you and I can't even reiterate any of those points that you made enough because I there is no right or wrong you're right and um there's you know there's black there's white there's a gray area too in that and I think you know do what you will at the end of the day this is your life and I don't really think anybody's in the position to tell you that what you're doing is wrong and I think when I was even you know in Asia too and I'm on the high of my life I mean I had so many people what are you doing didn't you just graduate when are you coming home are you gonna get a job I'm like I just graduated like six months ago leave me alone like I don't really think it matters I mean everything's gonna come in dual timing you're gonna you know get everything that you want to get done done hopefully when the time's right and you know and now the funny thing is um I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic did anybody so I spent those two years of my life in whole visiting what 15 countries let's call it give or take and Uh had I not done that when the timing was right and I followed my gut and I did what I wanted to do that day taking nobody else's opinion but my own a pandemic would have hit, shut the whole world down for God knows how long. You can't go to Thailand for another two years. And then when when's the next opportunity going to come? Exactly when I'm retired in mm-hmm. God knows how many years or when, you know, you can't take six kids to Thailand. Not saying I'm going to have six kids, but I mean, people wait for the right timing in life. And I think the right answer, if there is right answers, there is no right timing. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. There's what what was the biggest um, from all your travels? what was the biggest, I would say, I don't want to say mindset shift, but more so of like perspective shift of like, so like, for example, like when I went to Spain and when I was in Mexico and other, a couple other places, I was just like the thought that everyone lives so differently yet everyone in, and I don't want to sound like a hippie when I say this, but Mm -hmm. everyone understands like it's kind of from the book The Alchemist too, where he mm-hmm. talks about like love. the yes, love is like the language of the world, and it's weird because like when you're in all these countries, you you understand what their version of love per se is, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's like when you look back into yourself, you're like, okay, 
everyone is so different. Everyone does things differently. It, but what makes the world go around is love. So it was more so the perspective of like, I just want to see what else is out there. And I want to keep meeting as many people as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But had I not had a lot of travels, I never would have had that perspective shift. So like with yeah. you, like what was something that was like a perspective shift? Um, I would say, and you and I have spoken about this previously, or maybe even earlier on in this episode we did, um, I would say my biggest takeaway when I was in Europe as a whole was our food industry, our food in general, the culture shift between diets. Um, and that's where I kind of carried that home with me. And I became a very, very picky eater. And not in a sense of, I don't like this food, I don't like that food, but I was just more cautious of what I was physically putting into my body. And I think it's really funny now, um, you know, like everybody else, I spent a good time in quarantine on TikTok. um, And I've fallen into the threads that I think a lot of people can relate to of, I went to Europe and I ate pasta and bread and lattes and wine every single day. And I came home and I weighed myself and I lost 10 pounds. Why is that? And I think the only obvious answer is, the ingredients that people put in food over there. And I think that was my biggest takeaway of, hey, listen, this is your body, no matter where you live in the world, this is your body, take care of it, do the best that you can diligently to do so. Um, And that's something my family and my friends, you know, continuously make fun of me about, you know, whether I'm posting papayas on my Instagram story or whatever, everybody bullies me for. Um, I don't really care, you know, like, and I try and influence those things in my family's life more than anybody, because I think, Diet is huge and, you know, nobody's like going to live forever, but I would like to carry my longevity as long as I can and my health, you know, I don't want to be the 65 year old who can't walk anymore or has indigestion or, you know, can't go to dinner with my family without taking X amount of pills and, you know, I just, just take care of your body. It's plain and simple. Um, That was my biggest takeaway in Europe. Um, When I was in Asia, Um, I think it was more of a humbling experience. And to be honest, it's something I don't really talk about anymore. um, Because, you know, part of it's, you know, it's not really exactly bar conversation. But um, I think my biggest takeaway in Asia was just, you know, having that realization of, you know, holy cow, like, I am so fucking lucky. Like, I have a beautiful family at home. I have friends at home, I have an education, I have a degree, um, and I have opportunity. You know, I, there'd be times, you know, or every day, I don't even want to say times, you know, going down some highway in Thailand and you see, you know, a whole freaking six person family on the back of a motor scooter going home with groceries because that's their only means for, for transportation. And, you know, you're walking down these alleys and you peep into this door, or that window, and there's seven people sleeping in one room. And I mean, we have poverty here in the United States that, you know, ignorantly I am, you know, I've never been exposed to to that degree. But in Asia, it is just an overwhelming shock of gratefulness. And I'm grateful for the opportunity I have in the United States. And I'll sit here and I could talk, you know, what country's better and is the United States the greatest com- country in the world, this and that and the other. And I think there's counter arguments to that too, but I'm just really freaking lucky. I'm lucky to have the opportunity as a single white woman in America to have a degree and to be able to travel and have that opportunity and have a support system behind me that allows me to do so. No, of course. I say, I, I, I say it all the time and I know it pisses a lot of people off, but I don't know any other country where the fat people or no, I said that wrong. I don't know any <laughs> other country where 
I don't know any other country where the poor people are obese and fat. Mm-hmm. I'm not like I'm not trying to ruffle feathers. I'm just being honest. So, but to your no to your point, I I actually was just uh, recording an episode today, and I said on there that when I think about like how lucky I am, um, I say it as a joke as well. Um, but it's mm-hmm. more so, and this guy kind of goes into a little bit more so like the faith based uh, topic, which we could mm-hmm. t- totally discuss a different day. But I had no control over who my mom was. I had no control over being born in Buffalo. I could have been born in fucking Iraq for all I know. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you travel, it like opens your mind up uh, to those type of things. Now, um, the other thing that I noticed, which I don't know, you probably did as well, was that I didn't I didn't see a single McDonald's, a single Chick-fil-A, a single Taco Bell, any of those places over in Europe. It was all fresh food markets. Um, If there was fast food, it was like food that had already been pre-made and you could just go and pick it up and go. So do you and obviously you know that like fast food and how we eat contributes to all health problems and stuff like that but did you really did you have to i know you touched on a little bit but did you like completely change up your diet since then or were you more so of like uh how a couple of my friends are where they're just like hey bro like life's too short if i want to smash some burgers or (laughs) fingers i'm fucking doing it um that's funny um i'm actually smiling the funny part is and I love each and every one of them so dearly. Some of the people in my life that I'm closest with um, have some of the wackest, most unhealthy diet in the entire world. Um, my boyfriend, who I love dearly, obviously, um, can order $16 worth of McDonald's and absolutely destroy it in five minutes. Um, there's, a, you know, I'm that person that probably hasn't had fast food in 10 years. Um, I'll admit, at least when I'm sober, you know, my boyfriend has a picture of me with a Crunchwrap Supreme maybe two months ago. And that was a picture worthy moment because it never happened. Um, (laughs) When I was in Europe, I mean, yeah, I don't really think there's a whole lot of fast food over there. And I mean, yeah, again, John, it's something I just I don't really think about or talk about anymore. So it's fun, too. But you know, it's when you walk into a cafe in Paris and you're, hey, can I get like there is no freaking blueberry almond milk cinnamon lattes it's espresso espresso smaller smaller tall what do you want small tall large medium no okay latte no you're getting an espresso anyway like that's not a thing there it's all just pure basic ingredients you know what is it fat salt carbs whatever like they don't stretch outside of that like it's just good food because you know I um, am a really big follower of this woman called Kenzie Burke she's on Instagram for anyone that's curious um and she's a really holistic health person. And um, I listen to her podcast a lot. And she always just reiterates, you know, eat the food that God gave you. And mm-hmm. I try to implement that. And I think I eat a lot of plant-based. Um, in general, I try and eat a lot of organic when I can. Uh, I don't eat a lot of chicken. I don't eat a lot of red meat. If I'm eating red meat, it's, you know at a steakhouse it's at the marble room once a year um i try and stay away from anything that's processed in general my friends come over drunk and they open up my pantry and my fridge and they're mad because they don't have hot cheetos or lays potato chips um i don't really have anything of that nature and i think you know trying to stick to some cores in your diet is important not only for i mean i could care less about how i look to be honest it's just i just want to feel good i want to wake up i want to have i just slept for eight hours i should have energy I don't want to feel brain fog. I don't want to, you know, get sick four times a year like some people I know do. I just 
think it's really important to kind of watch what you put in your body. I mean, this is your one and only true home. No, of course. I actually, I had a roommate who, uh, he, he lost his shit ton of weight after he got done playing football and got uh, ripped up, absolutely ripped up. And he, I was just like, all right, fuck it. I'll eat the way you eat for a little bit just to see. Cause like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, bro, like I'm, I'm six, four two, like barely 200 pounds. If I don't eat meat, I look like I'm deprived. <laughs> I'm like, so right. I gotta, I'm like, I gotta eat. It's like, not for everybody. No, no, no. I'm like, I gotta eat fucking meat probably two, three, maybe four times a day. And I ate the way he ate. And the biggest thing I noticed was I didn't necessarily like, obviously I lost some pounds and stuff like that. And I was a little bit skinnier than usual, but the number one thing I noticed was my energy. Like I was just, my energy was through the roof. Like I remember we'd be coming back, uh, downtown. I'm hammered. Can't even speak. I'm so drunk. I mean, disclaimer, (laughs) I'm in college at this point, so whatever. Um, and and so don't hold it against me, but then the next, the next, like, uh, oh shit like tomorrow's gonna be rough and then I'm just like oh I only got the groggy feeling and so well I'm not saying that that is exactly why but I'm just saying that in general it was something I noticed and since um graduating and obviously not playing sports anymore and stuff like that it's something that I uh take take pretty seriously but like our closet like closet closetly secretive about um mm-hmm. just because it's just like one I'm not a health expert two mm-hmm. at the end of the day like unless people want to eat that way or know the, or have personally felt the benefits from it they're mm-hmm. not going to do it so there's no Yeah, point. I don't care. You do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So but um w- do you think that um I personally believe that the like how they educate us on food and stuff like that in school needs to be completely different. Like what are your I mean I already know what you're going to say but like what what is your thought on that? Um yeah, I mean I agree. It's funny. I'm uh I'm reading Michelle Obama's book right now and I just went over a period where she was talking about, you know, when she first got into office as the first lady she wanted to focus on exactly this, like our the way that we educate about food here in the United States and food in general, our diets, you know, health problems, blah, 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 this and that and the other. And I, it's just so funny because when you're when you're growing up, you know, when they went into office and what, 2008, not 2008. Yeah, 2008. Um, once she kind of started progressing that project of her own, you know, we were freshmen. I was a freshman in high school given a couple years later in 2011. Um, and I remember everybody freaking out because Holy Name had the best chocolate chip cookies in the entire world. And they took rid of the cookies because of Michelle Obama. And at the time when you know you're 14, you're like, what? Like, this is this is blasphemy. What's going on? This is ridiculous. You don't know anything about politics. You're like, I hate Michelle Obama. And then fast forward, you know, 10 years now, and I'm reading this book and just thinking back to, you know, those thoughts that I, you know, had at 14. It's funny because, you're like, wow, they thank you. You're so right. You know, I don't really think that anyone takes the time to educate children or I mean, even some adults, too. I mean, me, when I've been on this, you know, health realization for the last couple of years since traveling, I mean, my family even is a little bit more um, inclined to listen to what I have to say. And I think that they make small alterations in their diet, whether that's because me or not. Um, it's something that, you know, people need to bring more awareness of. And I, yeah, I think it's really important. I don't think it's spoke on enough. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree because they're it's kind of like um I know I have a couple friends that are gym teachers and I they get so annoyed when I bring this up all the time, but it's also they're good friends, so I don't really give a fuck because they know I'm not coming from an ill will place. But I think the whole concept of gym class is so fucking stupid. Like I don't need to I get that you're introducing people to a sport, you're you know teaching them the basics of stuff, but it's just like yo, I don't need to do a class on how to dribble a basketball and how to play the game of basketball like that that's pointless that's a waste of our time so we're kind of like swimming or football or kickball or any of that shit like I always thought that physical education um I mean don't get me wrong I enjoyed it (laughs) like who do who didn't but like as I'm looking back um when I look back and then I kind of um like think about like if I had a kid right now Mm -hmm. what would I it's more so of like I think that you should rather than having a a a study hall or something like that you Mm -hmm. should have two types of gym classes where one gym class is all about that type of stuff like playing the basketball playing the rugby bad badminton all that well they're not going to play rugby anymore if they're not playing dodgeball (laughs) but um doing those type of things and then the other side of it would be hey if you're going to get into like you guys obviously are a little too young to be lifting weights or doing uh yoga or different types of things like teaching them that or even teaching mental fitness be like hey if you're feeling a little off try meditate i uh breathe different breathing patterns there try these different things that are more so like i would say new age and come out of our generation mm-hmm. then oh hey guys change your clothes uh today we're gonna play basketball this is how you shoot a free throw it's like okay come on like that's fucking stupid in my opinion no i mean to be honest again it's something that i have not had to think about because a i don't have children and b mm-hmm. i you know am not in education in any capacity um but no i i entirely agree and i think that's why i mean we're thankful that i mean in college you get to pick your own curriculum but i think to be honest if i'm sitting here taking the time to think about it it's kind of humiliating for anybody who's a you know growing up or in grade school or you know middle school high school whatever um, you know, not everybody, you know, here we are coming full circle, everybody's different. And, you know, forcing one person to play basketball co-ed um, could be just as uncomfortable as it is for one of those people who are comfortable in that aspect to, you know, take a music class or sing in front of 30 people. I think you don't really give that opportunity of freedom as much in high school or when you're growing up in grade school, you're just kind of told what to do, what you should be interested in as a child. And I think that's kind of a weird aspect of control that could be argued and should probably yeah I mean it's 2021 I think there you should definitely adjust some of those some of that curriculum I'm not even gonna lie that was me like anytime there was a music or art class I'm like why do I gotta do this but then we play co-ed basketball and you're in but then there's always people that are visibly uncomfortable (laughs) yeah no, literally, yeah. yeah, and I think that, but I've always played sports growing up, so that was more me, Thanks. whereas right. some kids are a little bit more creative, more artistic, and want to be in choir and want to do that, like, that's that, but like you were saying, like, there's a lot of, I knew there was a lot of girls that, like, didn't play sports that really weren't trying Humiliated. to, yeah, because I'm not gonna lie, you don't want to play, but you're going against me, I'm crossing your ass up, no, <laughs> no, no, no shame about it, sorry, and, uh, if freshman year of high school, I could dunk, I would jam on you too. No shame about it. But, <laughs> but on the flip side, on the flip side, you're singing your heart out, doing your thing. I was always the kid in music class that would make it seem like I was singing when really I was not. I was just mumbling right. the words because I'm like, 
this is fucking stupid. Why am I doing this? This just does. This is embarrassing. Or even um, when you have like some of the, because I know in some elementary schools they have it where it's like you have to be in choir and do those things. I was mm-hmm. just like, I used to be like, this is humiliating for me. Why do I have to stand on stage? And right. Do this? No, it really is. And wow, that actually makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. True. It is. It's, I don't really think you're given that that much freedom and and what's sad is those are some of the most pivotal growing years of your entire life and you're forming you know thoughts and opinions at such an early age about things and you know your own comfort zone and you're not really given a choice to you know delegate your I mean your days at school which you're already forced to be there and then on top of that you know show up to this class your core five subjects or whatever and then on top of that oh go swimming in the middle of the day good luck (laughs) like ow (laughs) Well, okay. I thought swimming, well, swimming, of course, because one, I, well, me, um, my first words were when I was a baby was I was looking at a stove and I said hot and my mom's like, yeah, don't touch it. It's hot. And I was like, no, hot. And I kept tapping myself. <laughs> so like me, <laughs> like the body image, the body image and like how I thought about myself, that was never in lack. But I knew there was a lot of kids that were like maybe a little bit overweight or get bullied and stuff like that. And they were petrified of the swim unit. Like they thought of everything under the sun to go. I mean, me, I was like, that pool is nasty as fuck. (laughs) I'm trying to swim in that (laughs) thing. But outside of that, like I just thought that there was, I mean, obviously education is good. Going to school is great. But there was just some things that I like looking back on. Now that we are young adults, it's like, okay, that is that really, was that, bad. Makes, <laughs> that makes no sense. Like why that makes no sense. Why are we doing that? Why don't we, yeah. um, even with the mental health thing, like that is a little bit newer. So I don't, and my thing is with like the, the trends changing, it, a lot of things are, they just work. That's how it was for the time. So I don't think we need to bash the older generations for certain no. things. And I say certain things emphasized. But like something like that, I don't think we need to look back and be like, well, school is fucked because of that type of thing. But yeah. I don't really remember uh, any type of guidance on are you just having a bad day or is there really something wrong with you or yeah. um, I'm not good at school. OK, well, then you're a failure. There was nothing yeah. like, oh, OK, well, what about a trade or maybe what, what does interest you? You want to be an artist? You want to be a painter? OK, well to make a career out of that it's similar to going and playing pro sports you really have to have an obsession with it and help kids that way um which i feel as though in other countries they do a little bit better than here but then again i'm generally speaking i'm not trying to be ignorant no i can entirely i I can agree with that and um from my own you know personal childhood if you will um i've been fortunate where i was introduced to Shauna, if you're not happy, don't do it. Or Shauna, if you don't like this, quit. If you don't want to do this, don't. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. If you find interest in this, good. Go pick up a book. Learn about it. Um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, go to Holy Name and get introduced to a whole new um, dynamic of the area that I grew up and was introduced to all these amazing people that really did welcome those open-ended conversations of what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Go for it. And I'm I, again, I sometimes even feel bad saying that or speaking on that because I know that so many people did not grow up in the same household that I did. Um, And I mean, even like even those conversations are tough, too. Um, If you want to come for a full circle to, you know, other countries in that aspect, I mean, 
I can confidently say that I grew up in, you know, a very healthy, open-ended, speak your mind environment. And I think, again, yeah, I mean, neither of us have ever lived in Europe, but I think that from my experience there and the friends that I've made there um, and in, you know, Australia, New Zealand as well, um, when you compare conversations from your childhood or um, things that have been learned, um, learned behaviors, things that we do in our everyday life, um, they're so foreign to them and vice versa. And things of, you know, even the education system in Europe and everywhere else in the world is so different from ours. And relatively speaking, we are a new country. And I think we're going to have hiccups. Some of these countries have been around for literally ever. And we have not. I think we'll get there. I don't think any sort of change happens overnight and these conversations are important and that's what implements change. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of wrapping up the conversation we've been having for like the past hour now, what, um, just some finishing questions here. What is, what is probably, what places had the biggest effect on you? Um, Vietnam had the biggest effect on me, hands down, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. Um, being that I spent time on that boat and I think just culturally from all the other countries in Asia, it was the most, um, the most different and the most unique for a plethora of reasons. But I would say that Vietnam a hundred percent had the most impact on me. And what is, if any, the best advice you've ever received in, from someone in one of those countries? Well, um, anytime I was anywhere other than the United States or, you know, even in a lot of the time that I spent in Key West over the past couple of years, um, when I tell people my story, where I'm from, what I'm doing, um, the fact that I'm alone doing all of this by myself, figuring out my next move, um, the best advice, just keep going, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you've obviously, I'm fortunate enough where I can confidently say I found an independence and a sense of self at a younger age than most discover that at, um, Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable being alone. I enjoy my own company. And I think sticking to that and riding with it and trusting your gut. Um, anytime I'd run into anybody that was, you know, jaw droppingly shocked that I was where I am doing what I'm doing would just, you know, give me a pat on the shoulder and say, you know, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. Keep doing it. And if you could, last question I have for you, if you could meet 18 year old Shauna today, what piece of advice would you give her to carry to, to, I can't even speak. What piece of advice would you give her wise words to carry with her moving forward in life? Um, I know it's kind of on the spot, but no, but I mean, it's something that I think everybody should kind of think about because, you know, I'm coming up on my 25th birthday in a couple of months and, you know, day to day, like everybody else, you know, I have my own internal personal struggles and it's something that I battle with. And, you know, sometimes I think our generation as a whole or anybody listening to this, I just think my biggest advice current day, if I could speak to my 18 year old self would be, you know, look at all you've accomplished. You are going to do so much more in the years to come. And if I could talk to my 18-year-old self who had the exact same dreams as my present day self, if I was 18, thinking about or writing down, what do I want to accomplish by the age of 25? I've done it. And then some. And I think Mm -hmm. if I was talking to my 18-year-old self and looking her in the mirror, I would say, you know, just keep the faith, keep your dreams alive. Don't listen to anybody's opinion, you know, work in privacy, 
keep your plans private and just do them. Don't ask for opinions because your opinion is the only opinion that matters. Mm, I like it. It's like some, <laughs> I was about to say, cause I was listening to uh, Megan Thee Stallion earlier. I was about to say what she said, like, oh, that's some hot <laughs> girl shit. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's honestly all I have. So um, thank you for doing this and thank you for obviously sharing what you've shared. Cause like I said, I, besides, Hey, what's up? I'm John. Nice to meet you. I've never talked to you before. So I think it's cool that we were able to do this. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. And you too, John, honestly, I mean, I'm so intrigued again, like, you know, you're doing what you're doing for a reason. You like it. It makes you happy. You see a future in it. You know, if nothing else, it makes you happy. Just keep doing. I think you're on a really good path. And I, you know, I'm uh, looking forward to listening. I like it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I just like doing shit. I don't really have a rhyme or reason for it. I just don't. I just, uh, yeah, I've always been told my entire life, which is true. So I'm not going to try to downplay it, but I've always been told, like, I don't take shit seriously. Like anytime Mm -hmm. I get yelled at, I laugh. Um, (laughs) that was like my biggest, that was my biggest problem in school and always testing limits. No, literally. And that was my biggest problem in school and in lacrosse. It was never a matter of like, am I good in school or was I good at lacrosse? It was just, I didn't know that balance of like when to take shit seriously and when it's time to joke. And sometimes that set me back. But now that I don't have those responsibilities and I've learned from them, it's like, okay, outside the work setting, I'm, I'm going to be a big ass kid the rest of my life. So it is what Absolutely. it is. Age is nothing but a number. Uh-huh. So again, I greatly, almost. I still don't know what the hell is going on here. <laughs> 25 years young. That's right. <laughs> so, so I appreciate you doing this and uh, we'll talk soon. Yep. Thanks, John. Of course. I'll see you. Bye.